Hey, this is Nick here. I wanted to send a quick message to the founders out there. If you're raising your first round of capital and you're not located in the Bay Area, New York City, or Boston, we'd love to connect with you. Newstack leads deals for founders that don't fit the standard Silicon Valley profile and are located in undercapitalized areas. If that describes you, or if you know a startup that fits that description, please send us an email. It's team at newstack.vc. Now here's a word from our partners. This episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western is the leading provider of venture debt and banking services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. Welcome to the podcast about venture capital, where investors and founders alike can learn how VCs make decisions and reach conviction. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Welcome to another special release of Investor Stories. On this installment, the experts discuss a startup that they did not invest in, why they passed, and if there was a key learning that now informs their approach. Here's the segment called Why I Passed. On today's special segment, we have Ty Finley of Iron Spring Ventures. Ty, can you tell us a story about a good or a bad pass? A story about a startup that you passed on. One that sticks out to me that I'm still, uh, I'm still, I've got a great relationship with these guys, but I'm a big fan of what uh, the Tulip guys are building up in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, it's a, it's a call it next gen connected worker platform for industrial manufacturing environments that, that also uh, is, 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 I think, trying to aim ultimately toward building the next gen MES system. And, and so we saw this company when it was at GE Ventures. And I, I think this goes into where, ultimately the the struggle is between how fast and how uh, efficiently can you deploy technology like a new next-gen MES system into an industrial environment, right? That's their core system of record. And so I, I think these guys have have just done a phenomenal job showing that you can do it and they are, they're scaling nicely. And so that would be one where um, uh, a friend that's in the digital industrial investment ecosystem, Dana Grayson, now off starting her new fund, um, was pretty bullish on, and we we probably missed on that one. So I'd have to I'd have to put that on my wall. I would say. On today's special segment, we have Stephen McIntyre of Frontline Ventures. Stephen, can you tell us a story about a good or a bad pass? A story about a startup that you passed on. Well, when I was doing research for Frontline X, uh, the the very first thing that I needed to do, as probably most VCs do when they're thinking about starting a fund, is you need to go out and you need to try and find a deal. And finding the deal is is the initial proof of that new you know, of your value prop. And uh, but of course, we didn't have any money yet, so I went out and with this, we'll help you in Europe uh, pitch. Uh, almost immediately, got a pretty large allocation and a growth round of Asana. And, uh, and it would have been a great investment to make. Uh, we didn't have the money and we had to pass. And they've subsequently filed for an IPO. And that would have been a, you know, half a fund returner, two years oh, into a 10-year fund. Brutal. It's kind of a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you know, I always, uh, you know, I, I, I'm always, well, in one way is uh, sort of delighted to see how, how well they've done. And, and, uh, and on the other hand, I feel slightly nauseous every time I look at their growth curve. That's tough. <laughs> did you, did you consider stitching together an SPV or trying to figure something out there? Uh, you know, it, 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 we definitely would do something like that. Now it all happened so fast. Frankly, uh, 
because this was a brand new fun concept, I wasn't expecting to get traction so fast. Sure. Is the, is the honest. And, and we just didn't have time. It was coming together to just too quickly. So That's yeah, funny. we won't let that happen again. And you know, the big, the big lesson there it was always be in the market. You know, you just always have to have money because you never know when the opportunity will come. You're hundred percent right. Like I was looking through our anti-portfolio the other day and it's not super long, but three of the companies were on there just, we could only do one investment at a time. When we first started, we couldn't do more than one on the platform. We were just doing SPVs. And uh, so we, we chose one out of, you know, three companies and all three we should have done, right? They all made kind of our final our final decision. And had we done all three, that would have been great. But um, yeah, Yeah. it's tough. Timing is tough. On today's special segment, we have Beezer Clarkson of Sapphire Ventures. Uh, Beezer, can you tell us a story about a good or a bad pass, a story about a fund that you passed on? Oh, you know, my friend Chris Dubos always does such big, colorful stories. Get him to tell you how he passed on the Excel Facebook fund, not once, but twice, if he <laughs> hasn't yet. Um, I don't have those great, glorious stories. I'm sorry. I wish we did. But what I have seen is because because we do focus where we focus on a you know, predominantly Series A and some seed, we have met but not invest in a number of really lovely, wonderful, smaller funds who have gone on to have some extraordinary returns. And they were just, you know, the five, 10, $15 million funds that just are outside of our focus area. So I look at all of those and I always think good on you, but I'm always somewhat like big bummer. We don't have a different way of investment. We could invest in that. What about maybe common reasons you pass, you know, aside for not answering the why you question sufficiently, you know, are there any common reasons why, it just is not a good fit for you or for Sapphire? Sometimes with the newer managers, it doesn't always feel that they know exactly who they are and what they're doing. And there's always a little bit of exploration that one presumes and goes along with. But there's a certain lightning in the bottle when when you meet somebody and you're and this goes for established too, when you're like, oh, I get it. I get what the entrepreneur must see when they walk into this room and I get how you and your you and slash your team come together and I get why you work in this space. And that's super powerful. And then when it's not there and it's a bit like, okay, I get it. But you know, as much wiser LPs than I said, as an LP, you don't have to invest in every great fund, but every fund you invest in you need to believe will be great. And that's, that's part of that matching that has to happen. And it also has to match with what we're doing on our portfolio for, as I said, like these smaller funds, we think they're awesome, but they're just not for us. There's also much larger funds that I look at and I think that's super compelling and interesting, but it's also not for us. So it just because you don't, there's a, a very lovely alignment that has to happen between the LP strategy yep. and the GP strategy. And so even though they don't always align, that doesn't mean one person's going to be a bad investor. Ask those pre-qualifying questions, right? <laughs> pre-qualifying questions. Um, we can uh, talk about common mistakes people make, which is different. But. Yeah. Um, if you want to give us one, that would be great. I do think when you ask who your competitors are, when people give you blank stares, it's not a winning moment. <laughs> Just kind of <laughs> Because I'll tell you, when you ask Sequoia, they think they have competitors. So... You know, like if, and I'm just picking on them because they are just amazing investors. So if they think there's competitors out there, then I think all the rest of us mere mortals have them too, right? At this point, if you're a VC, you've heard of Carta. You've probably even accepted securities from a portfolio company on the platform. 
It feels like every new company is using Carta, and there's already 16,000 VC-backed companies on the platform. They also offer tools and services for VCs like fund administration. Carta has an army of fund accountants delivering high-quality service and dedicated teams of engineers constantly improving the functionality of their user-friendly investor platform with in-app quarterly reporting, real-time fund metrics, LP portals, and more. It's also easy to switch from an existing fund administrator or to augment your in-house team with their service. Learn more about their services at carta.com forward slash investors. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western specializes in providing financial services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors, helping to navigate financial obstacles by providing access to funds and expertise. Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. On today's special segment, we have Sarah Tavel of Benchmark. Sarah, can you tell us a story about a good or a bad pass, a story about a startup that you passed on? Oh, my gosh. Do we have two hours? <laughs> I uh, do. <laughs> <laughs> Man, like if you've been doing the business long enough, your list of heartache here that haunts you is very long. Um, yeah. And actually, you know, at, at Bessemer, you use the word anti-portfolio. They, they were the ones that created this anti-portfolio. And it was always, it always was, you know, good to see. But I think like the ones, look, in our business, the decisions we make are probabilistic in nature, meaning that there's no deterministic outcome for a company when you invest. It's really, there's a range of outcomes. And Sometimes things will break in the right direction for a company, and sometimes things will be the opposite. I mean, COVID is an amazing, you know, and horrible example of this at just a massive scale. There's sometimes you just have to accept that, like, you actually made the right decision, but, you know, it ended up in that probability that you didn't think was going to happen or didn't think there was a high enough probability of it happening. And then you, all you can do is focus on how you made the decision. You know, I think there are decisions that you learn over time where you're like, well, I was, I made that decision based on the deal. Um, and that was the wrong, the wrong decision. The ones that are most painful for me, but I, you know, can learn the most is when you worry about something that ends up not actually being a problem. Mm. And so, you know, an example of that is definitely one of my sore companies that I think about a lot is uh, I looked at the A for Vercada and Vercada, it's a video surveillance company with, you know, just an incredible founding team. I saw greatness in, in Philip, the CEO, and the product he and his team had built. It was just, it, it kind of reminded me of the old school perpetual software, you know, on-premise old school software being replaced by, you know, the consumerization of IT and, and SaaS. And there was some really early momentum, but I, you know, I was I was worried about the channel. I was worried that it was this thing that I had no experience with. I didn't know how a hardware installer channel would get activated. I didn't really understand how to do the incentives there. And I got focused on the thing that I didn't understand and almost lost the forest for the trees, which was that the channel didn't end up mattering because the product was just so much better than the competition that the direct sales motion 
worked better than I think the founders would even say they realized it was going to work. And the channel ended up being not irrelevant, but certainly irrelevant for the market opportunity and the, the outcome that that company is going to have. So those are, those are the painful ones to me, at least. That will conclude this installment of Investor Stories. If you're enjoying the program and would like to see it continue, take a moment and leave a five-star review in iTunes. Also, if you'd like updates on new content from TFR, as well as the top 10 VC articles every week, go to fullratchet.net and sign up for the newsletter. Okay, that will wrap things up for today. Until next time, over-prepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. Thanks for joining me. Thank you.